Today marks the season of Advent. We begin this uh, new Christian year together. And as we begin, uh, I wish you a happy new year in Jesus Christ. Advent is four weeks of preparation. It's four weeks of rehearsal. It's four weeks where we anticipate the Advent, the coming of our Lord. We remember that he has come in the flesh in his incarnation. We remember that he also comes presently through his spirit, his word and sacrament, fellowship of his people. And then we also anticipate, we await his final coming where he promises to put all things to rights once and for all. As one people this Advent season, we gather week in and week out to worship our one true king, our one true savior. And we do this as one people with one voice. And to that end, will you pray with me as we go to this one Lord? Let's pray. Our heavenly Father, we are grateful for the advent of your son who is our king and our savior. This season and hear the preaching and receiving of your word, would you prepare our hearts to receive him moment by moment that we might go forth in his image to be the body of Christ scattered throughout the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, every week, we as God's people, God's people throughout the world, are called, uh, we're gathered as the body of Christ. From all walks of life, we're united under his headship. We're gathered in his salvation. And why? Why do we do this every week? It's, well, to renew covenant relationship with him. It's in some ways a weekly renewal of vows where we say to God, you will be our God and, and we will be your people. We're gathered to be formed, to be formed in the image of Jesus Christ. And this formation happens through the rhythms of gathered worship. So you're welcome this morning. May he do his work on us, upon us, by his grace. Now, as we celebrate Advent this new church year, we would like for the next few weeks to examine different elements of our Lord's Day service. This is what we've been doing in the adult class, so some of this will be repetition for some of you. But we're going to do this in order that we might, as one people, take hold of the rhythms that God has given us. The rhythms that, through which, by his spirit, he shapes us. He forms us in the image of Christ. So we'd like week in and week out for the next four weeks to meditate on how these rhythms serve us in the work of Christ being formed in us. So every rhythm that we partake of here every Sunday is a gift of God. It's a gift. It's a charisma. It's a gift of God's grace, of God's charis. Gifts and God's grace. Today, we're going to focus on prayer, and so it's a topical sermon. We won't follow just one passage today, um, so we're going to look at prayer, particularly prayers of the church, where we strive to pray with one another with one voice. Now, I think it goes without saying, there's no question that we are to be a people of prayer. We are to pray. Jesus commands in Matthew and other places, he says, when you pray, pray dot, 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 our Father, right? When you pray. He echoes Isaiah's words where of God to, to his people saying, my house shall be called, you know it, a house of prayer. 
We are to be a praying people worshiping in the house of prayer. And so our hope as God's gathered people here at Trinity is to foster this people of prayer and a house of prayer every generation. And we're grateful for those who have gone before us, who have established a people rooted in prayer. We are to be a praying people worshiping in the house of prayer. But today we're asking a little more specific question is, is how is it that we as one people can pray with one voice? Okay, so it's a particular kind of prayer that we're asking about this morning. Not merely individuals gathered for individual devotion, but we are corporately gathered, one body, one people of God. How do we pray with one voice? Well, Paul exhorted this. He said this to his people, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts 4, we see them praying. And what does it say? How does it describe it? It said they, 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 they lifted their voices together to God. The scriptures are replete with the call to be united, to be united of heart, of mind, and of voice. Paul says elsewhere, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. You are that one body of Christ. Jesus prayed this. He says, praying to the Father, saying that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. We're called to pray as God's gathered people with one unified voice. Now, the call for unity amongst us is grounded in the unity of our triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with whom we are united. But it's very difficult, or maybe we might even say it's impossible, to be of one mind, of one heart, even of one voice, where one or more are gathered. Even worse than that, our society is frail, our churches are divided. We ourselves are divided amongst ourselves. We echo Paul's lament. He says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. I do the very thing that I hate. So how do we become a unified people? Well, baptized into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our bridegroom Jesus calls us. He calls us his bride, his body, his church. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. How are we to be formed to be forged in the unity of the God whom we serve. Well, a way that we hope to do this is to be praying as one people, to inhabit the rhythms of God's grace as we gather together. Now, the, the beauty of prayer for the Christian is, is this, is that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father and he says that he now lives to intercede. He now lives to pray on our behalf so that we who endeavor to pray, we can trust, however poor we are at prayer, we can trust that we are heard and that our God delights to answer as a father delights to give bread to a hungry son. But is it necessary to pray with one voice and how to pray with one voice? Okay, I'm going to ask for a little participation, okay? We're going to try and speak with one voice here for a couple of times here, okay? I expect good things. So, 
I'll ask a question about things like your favorite color, and then I'll ask you to respond at the same time. Are you ready? What is your favorite color? Ah, okay, very good. Now, foods. What is your favorite food? Okay. Uh, this next one, I don't want any fist fights out there. But looking at favorite, or best, we'll just do this way, best Christmas movie. What is, your, what is the best Christmas movie ever? All right. All right. Now, if we, we can, what about, okay, Christmas Carol. What is your favorite Christmas Carol? All right. What about um, attribute of God? We can say, you know, fill in the blank here. Lord, we thank you for your... Yeah, we can speak all at the same time, but it's a little bit jumbled, isn't it? I could hear a few colors and a few movies. Die Hard made it. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's difficult to speak with one voice as God's gathered people, isn't it? Um, how, how did people in the, the Bible pray with one voice? We have various ways that we see people doing this in scriptures, but I want to just look at the Psalms for, as an example. Uh, it saturated the worship and life of Old Testament believers. So even from our Old Testament reading, uh, we can pray with one voice. So we're going to dive into Psalm 136. We're not going to pray the whole psalm, but I'll, I will take the part of the, 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 the prayer leader here, and you as a congregation can respond. So each time I pause, you'll respond, for his steadfast love endures forever. Should we try that? Pause. For his steadfast love endures forever. All right, are we ready? Thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love. It is he who remembers us in our lowest state and rescued us from our foes. Give thanks to the God of heaven. A whole psalm and others like it are prayed and have been prayed by God's people throughout the history of his church. But it can be argued, even as we were doing that, you can sense it, you can feel it, it can be argued, but that's not really authentic, is it? I mean, those words are just recited. Those words aren't the words of the leader, and those words are not those of the people responding. Aren't they meaningless or empty phrases? Yet, the people of God throughout the ages have offered up the very words we prayed. And Psalms like it to God as one people, with one voice. This is something that God's people have been doing throughout the history of his church. If we needed any other arguments for it, Jesus himself took the words of the Psalms on his own lips. Formed in the prayers of the Psalms, he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words of the psalmist become Jesus' words. The words of the psalmist become our words. As Jesus prayed the words of Scripture, so did the apostles, so did Paul, 
So did the churches in Acts, all the way to the angelic host in the book of Revelation. Corporate worship, gathered worship, and isolated prayers. These are written prayers. People respond with repeated phrases. Now, we hope to join in with this practice, with some of these rhythms, to join in the chorus of the prayers of the church that have been prayed throughout the ages of the church with those who have gone before us, with those who are with us today as one people with one voice. We've been given words to pray by Jesus himself and throughout the Holy Scriptures. We have prayers that we can pray and use for our own purposes individually and as a people. So why not, why not pray then? And so we've also been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of the faithful who have gone before us, writing prayers of their own, to be used for the, by the church throughout the ages. And so we pray every Sunday, we pray a collect prayer early on. And these are prayers that have been used throughout generations. Many traditions take wedding vows or prayers that are used for generations. Many will use the exercises found in the Book of Common Prayer. Many in other prayer book resources like the Valley of Vision. Wisdom makes use of these while folly outright dismisses them. So here's the deal. I mean, what a help. What a help when we are too weak or frustrated to pray our own prayers. What a help to be given words to things that I experience and feel but have not the language for. To provide imagery and, and content when I know not what to pray. We can dive in. Lord, teach us to pray. But surely it can also be argued, simply praying others' words and reciting the same phrase will lead a people to become disengaged in the act, that people will not be meaning the words that they speak if we use written forms, recorded prayers. And Jesus himself warns against this, doesn't he? Doesn't he warn against heaping up empty phrases and, and praying formal prayers in order to be recognized by others around us? So to that argument, we say yes and amen. Prayer is to be engaged in. We ought to mean what we pray. And we ought to stay alert as we pray. Didn't Jesus talk to his disciples about this? Could you not pray with me? Could you not tarry with me for one hour? But again, how we ask, how can we do this as God's gathered people with one voice? I mean, look, no matter the form that our prayers take, we strive, don't we, to be engaged in them? We desire to mean what we say and what we pray. But there's only one way to do that, and that's to mean what we say and to be engaged in prayer. Does that make sense? Whether a prayer is written for us, whether a pastor prays it spontaneously, whether congregants rise to offer prayers of thanksgiving, whether responses are identical and repeated, we will strive as God's people to participate in a meaningful way in the life of prayer. Spontaneous prayer does not guarantee that. Written forms of prayer don't guarantee that either. Our hope in praying as one people is to enter in expressing our faith, trusting our prayers are heard as one people with one 
voice. And we have to acknowledge that prayer is one voice that I'm advocating for here this morning is not the only form of prayer. Written prayers are not the only method. Jesus himself says when you go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father. So please don't hear me say that spontaneous private prayer is second rate or unimportant. But today we're looking at life together as God's gathered people. And we're asking, well, how can we do that? How can we pray with one voice? So beginning this Advent season, we're going to begin offering prayers of the church. And that will come following our tithes and offerings in the service. Now, for these prayers, the, the pastors will be writing them ahead of time prior to our service. And they will look something like this. We will have, after the offering, we'll have our normal prayer of dedication. Uh, and then we'll have a few petitions that will relate to the, the day that we're celebrating as a church. Today, it will be Advent. And then we'll pray for particular needs in our local body and, and local communities. And then we'll close by praying together the Lord's Prayer. Sounds good, doesn't it? We'll have some instruction a little bit as we go along, and you'll see in the bulletin there's responses for this too. Because as we pray with one voice, we will offer also congregational responses. So after each petition that the pastor will pray, the pastor will end with, let us pray to the Lord. And with one voice as a congregation will respond, Lord, have mercy. So we try that. So you'll respond, Lord, have mercy, all right? So let us pray to the Lord. Lord now, this type of response has been prayed by congregations throughout the world, throughout the ages. For many of us, this kind of response to these petitions will be somewhat new. For some of us, it will feel quite strange, a bit stuffy perhaps, really formal for others. But we also acknowledge that others who have also been maybe in settings where these kinds of prayers and responses have been offered will feel right at home, comfortable, delighted. Others may think it humdrum, monotonous, boring, and empty. But my hope, our hope in this is that these phrases will provide for us handholds, attention hooks, will place our feet on solid ground as we pray as one people seeking to pray with one voice. It allows the youngest of children to participate. It gives biblical language to our prayers. And so we'll be praying as with one voice, Lord, have mercy. And that response, Lord, have mercy, we think of mercy as if God, it's a cry for God to withhold his just wrath against us or mercy in the sense of giving us something we don't deserve. And that is what mercy means. Broadly speaking, though, when we're crying out for mercy, we're simply asking God to answer. We're simply asking God to act. The psalm that we were praying, for his steadfast love endures forever, it's also translated for his mercy endures forever. The psalmist who wrote that, the people who pray that, they give their petition and they say, answer this. Why? Because of your steadfast love. Because your mercy endures forever. When they're praying for mercy, they're asking God to act, to answer. And that's like the blind man in our, uh, in our gospel reading, right? He's crying out to, John, uh, to Jesus, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, have mercy. Act for me. 
give me my sight. So when, our, when the prayers of the church are offered, we'll respond, Lord, have mercy. We're asking God to answer us, to hear us, to act according to his steadfast love. So here's the deal. We desire that Trinity would be a house of prayer and that we would be a people of prayer. I want to be a man of prayer. I want to walk with others who pray as Jesus prayed and as he taught us to pray. We want to be people who learn to pray for our enemies, to pray for our governing bodies, to pray for the sick and the infirm, to pray for healing, to pray that the nations would come to know Jesus Christ. And this portion of our weekly service, we hope, will slowly, over much repetition, time, and effort, will begin to form in us a life of prayer for the gathered body as we're dispersed then throughout our communities. So, will we, will I, be distracted during these prayers, even as I'm praying them? Will we disengage? Will our thoughts wander as we seek to pray as one people? Will we often think more of lunch than the petitions being prayed? Will we, in fact, mean every word that is being prayed for? Of course we're not going to do all that well. Of course we're going to fail being engaged and active at all times. But Jesus makes up for what we lack Look, if Jesus' own disciples failed to pray with him while he is in their midst to go, about to go to the cross, what makes us think that here we, in, in nice, warm, uh, air can, or nice warm places, can, can, can tarry with him for one hour? Right? I just say all that to just relieve the burden, relieve the pressure. We're not going to do it well. Well, we're going to do it. Why? Because Jesus calls us to. Why? Because it's the way that he forms us, forms him in us, in our lives. Jesus called his disciples to pray, even though they failed miserably. Jesus calls us to pray, even though we will fail miserably. He knows our weakness and he knows our inability. And he promises even to give his spirit when we know not what to pray, when we know not how to pray. He says he will give us his spirit. See, prayer is not something tacked on to the life of faith for those who are really good at it. It is faith in action. It is our act of devotion. It is our act of trust. No matter how imperfectly we pray, our Lord is eager to hear, more eager to answer. Our service to and for Jesus is not very flashy. If you're coming to Trinity, we are choosing to traverse the old paths with people whom we love in spite of our differences and in spite of those difficulties. But what a privilege, what a joy is ours to commune with the living God because we have a Savior who has come in the flesh, who promises to come again in each hour of our need, and he promises to come to us through his Holy Spirit again one day to put all things to right. And to that promise we pray, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you design to commune with us, your people. And I pray that you would form in us the life of Jesus Christ, who often sat in solitude and in silence to pray 
but also with, your, with your, his disciples, Lord. He taught them to pray as one people with one voice. Would you teach us day in and day out, week in, week out, to be a people of prayer in the house of prayer. Lead and guide us, we pray, in your grace, your mercy, and your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.